People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. We've got an interesting collaboration of music in this program because my guest is the composer and pianist Paul Hanmer, best known for South African Music Award-winning jazz albums, such as Trains to Taung, and his collaborations with the likes of McCoy, Murbata, and Tananas. But he's also a dab hand at classical music. He was chosen as composer-in-residence for the 2012 Johannesburg International Mozart Festival, and he studied piano. He attended the University of Cape Town for two years before beginning a music career with a guitarist, Paul Peterson. And also he was hugely influenced by Keith Jarrett. But Paul is in town for a number of other reasons. So first of all, Paul, welcome. Just as well you're here in Cape Town. Why don't you come more often? (laughs) (laughs) Morning, Rodney. It's it's really good to be here. Yes, but you're working hard while you're here because earlier this week you had a song cycle premiered in the hallowed halls of the Baxter Concert Hall. That's right. Just tell me a little bit about that cycle before we go on to the concert on the 1st of March. Okay. Well, the song cycle was a commission from a newly formed uh, collective called the Cape Chamber Music Collective. That's right. They are new. You're quite right. Yeah. They, and one of their first acts, shall we say, as a constitution mm-hmm. wa- was uh, to commission a song cycle from me for Wind Quintet accompanying uh, mezzo-soprano. In this case, the incredible uh, Linnell Kennett. Oh, yes. Gosh, you're lucky yeah. to have had her. Well, we, we all feel very fortunate <laughs> to have had her and each other. Were you given any sort of brief as to how the song cycle must sound? Was it a classical song cycle? Was it a crossover? Was it jazz? Well, Cameron Williams mentioned to me the uh, Luigi Nono um, song cycle. It had to be based on the theme of summer. Mm-hmm. That that was it. And, you know, I said, well, I don't know the Nono cycle. And he said, look, we don't want a Nono clone. We want a Paul Hanmer song cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be whatever you wish. But it has to be a song cycle for wind quintet accompanying mezzo-soprano. It's an unusual combination, a wind quintet with a mezzo, isn't it, really? But I quite like some of the names. They were, well, it's five songs, isn't it? That's correct. Your Dreams, Umbrellas, Utando Nokunyana. Nokukanya. Nokukanya, thank you. Mm. Frame, and then the title of the whole cycle, That Wintry Summer of 21-22. That always intrigued me. What's... Mm. Well, this is the summer we're going through. Yes, true. Okay. And in Johannesburg, where I live, for my sins and good deeds. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's been raining nonstop for months. And there's, you know, a joke with a friend of mine from Woodstock, actually, originally, Milton van Weyck, mm-hmm. who lives in Belgium. He's uh, the librarian at De Munt. Well, one of the music librarians at De Munt in Brussels. And... You know, I said to him that it's like Belgian spring. Uh, yes. You know, it's just raining all the time or grey. 
and it rains day or night or both. Yeah, oh it's my been. Goodness. It's but been you, very strange. But yeah. Paul, so you are from the Cape, are you? Yes, I am. I'm born and bred in Crawford in Cape Town. Okay, but you have been in Johannesburg for a very long time. I've been in Johannesburg since 1987. Mm-hmm. And um, I hadn't thought to still be there. But it just so happened that many things conspired to keep me there. Right. <laughs> Don't make it sound like punishment. No, um, no, no. Okay. Because it is a lovely place, as we know, in many ways. In many ways, and, yeah. I mean, I remember meeting you in the early 1990s mm. when I think I remember the Tananas around about that stage. And then you also became friendly with a friend of mine, Robert Pickup, and did some excellent sort of classical jazz stuff together, didn't you, with a clarinetist Robert Pickup, who's now in Zurich. That's correct. And, I mean, the person that brought us together was Denzel Wheel, mm-hmm. who was, at the time, my opposite neighbor in a, a suburb of Johannesburg called Bertram's, which is just to the back of of observatory where I now live in okay. Johannesburg. Yeah. And now that you're in Cape Town, we're getting mm. you to work hard, like you, you wrote the song cycle, which yes. was premiered uh, on Tuesday night. But tell me a little bit about on the 1st of March here at Artscape, you're doing a thing called Homecoming. That's correct. And this sounds like quite a big project. It is quite a big project. It involves like an ensemble, a chamber um, orchestra, I guess, in terms of scale. Mm-hmm. So about 13 strings three or four reed players, three or four brass players, and um, piano, bass, and drums Uh to do some of the repertoire that I plan to to perform. And also it involves then uh, Kutlano Masote, whose project this actually is, because he was asked to put together a program for another homecomer called Isak Ru, and this never panned out. But somehow he was still left holding a few things which he felt were reins. Mm-hmm. So he decided to hitch me onto his... <laughs> <laughs> did you agree immediately? Did it, yes. Uh, did it inspire you? Are you playing your own music? Or I you, am. Is it all your own music yes, at is. this concert? So it'll be duos, trios, bigger ensembles. And, and the, the repertoire for, for, the, for the full chamber orchestra is drawn from my album Naivasha, also for Sheer Sound. Mm-hmm. Dating from 2002 or so, so it's really a homecoming and also a return to music from 20 years ago. Okay, in in a sense, and and Linnell Kennett will be my special guest. Oh yes, the singer that sung your song cycle. That's correct, okay. Linnell Kennett, and she's also then appearing on the first of March. That's correct, as my special guest. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, we'll come back to that in a moment, but I'm. Now all intrigued to see what you've chosen for us to listen to. Tell me about this first piece, Brad Meldau Trio, Seymour Reads the Constitution. Well, Brad Meldau is, um, I first heard him with Joshua Redman as part of the Joshua Redman uh, group, you know, and he's incredible. And latterly he's also worked together with Rene Fleming. Oh, right, the opera singer, yeah. Yes. So... You know, that might be something to relate to to other playlists. Okay, in, in the in, future. Yes, it's also his project with Rene Fleming. Mm-hmm. But in this case, this is a jazz trio that he's got with uh, Larry Grenadier and I forget. But this trio is just amazing and, and 
Brad Maldow is, is an incredible piano player, whom I actually met. He was giving a solo concert at the North Sea Jazz Festival in 2001. And I was fortunate enough to be there with, with my band, with the guys who played with me, you know, mm. McCoy, Louis Mklanga, Basi, Matlasela, Denny Lalouette, Kevin Gibson. We were together. Wow, it's a good in 2001, well. yeah. yeah. So meeting Brad Maldau, who, as I said, was he's, he's very young. Well, I hope I'm not that old, but he's young. <laughs> and, and I mean, he's just an, a phenomenal piano player. So I just love the, the, the way he approaches what he does. Okay, let's listen carefully then to, to this piece, which is called Seymour Reads the Constitution. And it's a title track of this album called Seymour Reads the Constitution. Yes. <laughs>
Well, as you said, Paul, you certainly are aware of a superb pianist there, and that was Brad Meldau, the Brad Meldau Trio. Seymour reads the Constitution, the title track of his album, and the first choice of my guest, the pianist and composer Paul Hanmer. While we were listening to that, Paul, you said something quite interesting. You said that with people like that and Herbie Hancock, you had to have classical training, really, to play like that. Well, it was obvious to me the first time I heard either Brad Meldau or, for instance, Herbie Hancock mm -hmm. or Keith Jarrett, for example, yeah, is, yeah. is that you can't make a sound on a, on a grand piano like that. Yeah, unless you know what you're doing. Unless you've had, like... A classical we training. Western art music training. Yeah. For and you started like that, didn't you? At the yes, UCT, I did. You started on Western art music. Yeah, and with lessons with um, someone who was in my big sister's class at school, Tony Blake, oh. when, when I was nine years old. Yeah. Gosh, you started early. Yes, well, early enough, I think. Did you always want to be a musician? Yes. You felt even at nine or yes. earlier you wanted to be a musician? Well, when I started piano lessons and theory lessons with Tony Blake, mm -hmm. it became clear to me that this is what I would love to do. And I also thought that I wanted to be a composer, too, at that same time, which is kind well, of weird. all that time back. Yeah. And <laughs> as you said just now, it was absolutely jazz that you wanted to go into. No. You were passionate about jazz. No. I wanted to be a classical musician. Did you want to, right at the beginning? Right at the beginning, yeah. Oh, right. Because I'd heard my older sisters getting piano lessons, learning Bach suites and Handel suites and various um, things. I said, this is, this is the music I want to play. And now you can do both. Classical <laughs> 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 and jazz. <laughs> well, I've had a more tangential relationship with classical music um, in the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Because I was accompanist to my older daughter, Kira, when she played her violin exams. So I'd spent many, many, many hours preparing that repertoire yeah. and practicing with her. Oh, excellent. In the afternoons, yeah. That's good. Must have been great for her as well to have her Ach, dad accompany her. Ach, it was fantastic. <laughs> but I was just looking at here some names that influenced you when you were very young. Mm. The guitarist Paul Peterson, for example who clearly made quite an impression on you. Yeah, well, Paul is a few years older than me. He took over the guitar chair from the late Russell Herman in a band called Spirits Rejoice mm -hmm. next to Robbie Jansen and um, Sipo Gumede, the bass player, who was also with Sheer Sound. And they were just an incredible band, the late Duke Makazi on saxophone. And they were... A very seminal band and Paul took over the, 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 the guitar chair as I said mm -hmm. and during my second year at university um, in 1981 Paul was going to start a band together with Robbie Jansen, Ian Herman from Tananas and he wanted me to be the pianist and I really got very excited so mm. I left university for two years instead th that band fell apart before it began and it was just crazy but I was floating now yes, and sure. Paul brought me into a cover band led by the late Talib Peterson so that's what was my job playing cover bands 
But what about this thing you say in the 1980s you started a band, Unofficial Language, with Peter Sklair Mm, in Ian Herman in Johannesburg? Yeah, no, that's after I got to um, Johannesburg. Uh, Okay. In 1987, Mm -hmm. I met up with um, Ian again and Pete Sklair. And we started a band called Unofficial Language around about the same time that Tananas started. Mm-hmm. Because Ian Herman had come back to Johannesburg after deciding to leave the Genuines, basically. Mm-hmm. They were in Holland on a crazy tour. He decided, that's it. I'm going back home with or without you guys. And he, f- together with Steve Newman and the late Chito Baloy, started Tananas. And with Pete Sclair and myself, he started Unofficial Language. So just to get this right, when did you leave, decide to leave Cape Town? What caused you to go to Johannesburg? In well, I didn't leave Cape Town to go to Johannesburg. I left Cape Town to join Tully Peterson's band. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And after two years of a BMAS degree. And it was just that I felt very directionless in a way. Mm-hmm. My wish was to study composition at UCT. And my father said to me that he wouldn't support a degree that wouldn't give me a job. He says, how many composers do you know that can support themselves and a family? Yes. And of course I said, I don't, because I didn't. Mm. You know, I hadn't known of this great songwriters for Tin Pan Alley and Miles Davis and people like that who were essentially band leaders and composers. Right. Making a very good living. Right, indeed. God. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> so I couldn't give him those examples because I just didn't know. Yeah. Well, I, you were young at the time. so Very young. So I left university, you know, when I couldn't do composition. He said to me, I want you to get a degree to become a teacher mm-hmm. of music. Mm-hmm. And I said, no. <laughs> so I left. <laughs> and it was weird. I mean, it changed. It changed your life for well, the better. I'm not sure. It has to be better because it's the only life I've got. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I was going to mention Keith Jarrett, but before I ask you um, about Keith Jarrett's influence on you, let's listen to Keith Jarrett because that's your next choice here. Yes. From Standards Volume 1, the Keith Jarrett Trio. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's listen to him first and then we'll talk about him afterwards. How about that? Okay. Thank you. 
There's a well-known tune, All the Things You Are, with a Keith Jarrett trio and another request from my guest on People of Note this week, Paul Hanmer, the pianist and composer. And I said just before we played that, we went right into it, that you've spoken very highly of the influence that Keith Jarrett has had on you. And is that true? Has he really been important in your life, your musical development and so on? Uh, Very, very much so, because... I think it's a way I was brought to hear Keith Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Um, Which was? Through Denzel Wheel, who was my opposite neighbor. Yes, you said at in the observatory, yeah, yeah. No, in Bertrams. Bertrams, yeah. Which is a, well, one of the, it's quite a dodgy place these days. Yes. But um, the drummer Ivor Beck was living further down Berea Road where, where we lived. So one afternoon we walked to Ivor's place and Ivor put on a vinyl of the Keith Jarrett trio, mm-hmm. um, Standards Volume 1. And it just blew me away because here's this person whom I'd never heard of until that very moment playing the Great American Songbook with this most stupendous pianism mm-hmm. at his command. Mm-hmm. And he's turning it towards, you know, this repertoire. And it sounded like, you know, baby girls running through the fields of flowers in in my mind he made it sound like just kids running away and doing their own thing so beautiful Mm -hmm. and so free and also just betraying the most profound history of and love of 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 the sound of the of the grand piano because he's also a classical musician there are recordings of his of the mozart piano concertos that i have yes and a host of other things. Yes, I mean, he's done Baroque music. He's done a version of the Goldberg Variations. Mm, we're going to hear some of that. Yes, where, where you can hear, for instance, the respect he pays to Glenn Gould, for example. Ah, right, yes. In what he the does. The famous recording, yeah. You know, you can hear that too. Mm-hmm. That there's lineage of him having listened to Glenn Gould. So, to me, it was very important. And, as I say, to me, Denzel Wheel was key to that discovery as well mm-hmm. because until that point I'd been wanting to lobotomize my classical training because I was in Joburg I was listening to bands like Bayete and uh, Tananas and you know I really I'd worked with Bongile Kumalo mm-hmm. in a first ever gig which was a jazz gig at Kippis was with me as the pianist alongside Victor Masondo and uh, the late um, Lulu Gonzana. So it was a seminal time mm-hmm. and I felt how can I ever hope to match up to bands and people like this? You know, just coming from Cape Town and on the flats and hoping to express a, a, a genuine South Africanness. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to lobotomize my classical training. <laughs> yeah. But Keith Jarrett, hearing Keith Jarrett made me realize that this I must hang on to it. I must mm. guard it with my life. Good. The language of the piano, which was invented not to play anything except Western art music. That's why the piano was invented. So if I have that, then I've got some of the history of the instrument and I can turn that towards other things. I don't have to now pretend I don't have technique or I've got technique or you know, yes. I don't have to. Yes. I can just yes. 
turn it to whatever I. But kind he of music. also obviously must have influenced maybe your composing style, Keith Jarrett, or was it just mostly the playing that influenced you? Well, it's the spirit of the playing, the and, spirit and of the playing as well, yeah, and the, and the sheer beauty, you know, this abundance of beautiful sound. Mm-hmm. It was just overwhelming, and he wa- he's not shy. He, know, <laughs> he knows how to make the piano sound absolutely glorious, you know. So there's that too, but he turns it towards playing, you know, the great American songbook. That's what he chose in, in that particular afternoon in 1989 mm-hmm. that uh, I was taken there. And then later I realized, yes, he does the Goldberg variations. He also played the clavichord, you know, the Book of Ways, and various other things he's done. Well, one of your choices now is Keith Jarrett with one of the um, variations from the Goldberg Variations. Shall we listen to that now? Yes, please. So that people can sort of realize what you're talking about. Exactly. That's okay, so I here's Keith Jarrett with one of the variations from the Goldberg Variations by Bach. Variations from that great Goldberg variations by Bach and played there by Keith Jarrett. Another request of my guest on People of Note this week, Paul Hanmer. And as you heard Paul say, Keith Jarrett influenced him so hugely and you didn't lobotomize your classical training. And in fact, you've gone on to do a fair amount of classical stuff. And I'd like to talk about that. I mean, you've written a string quartet for the Sontonga Quartet with Mark Ace and Friends, a clarinet quintet for Robert Pickup, uh, duets for double bass and cello for Leon Bosch. So clearly it means something. If that's big stuff to do, and alongside your passion for jazz, you must love it nonetheless. Of course I do, yeah. And um, I was offered a chance to record in Switzerland with Robert Pickup. Because mm-hmm. he's in Zurich, That's as we correct, know at the yeah. moment. He's the um, principal clarinet. That's right. At the, the Zurich Opera. At the Zurich Opera. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember those days in Melville, Paul, years yes. ago when... <laughs> You would appear with Robert playing at um, restaurants and things there. Th- all that's correct, yeah. yeah. And now, has he, Robert, contributed to your love of classical music to keep it going, so to speak? Well, clearly, he, he has just displayed a tremendous amount of faith mm-hmm. in what I do mm-hmm. and a lot of support for what I do. 
and love for what I do. And he's um, been an incredible, well, he is an incredible He's an incredible friend. musician, let yes. alone as a person. Yes. So, I mean, as a musician, he's such a f- superb clarinetist. Yeah, I know. He's just ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. <laughs> it's a good word. So I got offered a chance to use um, this 16th century chapel in Bosville, uh-huh. which is just unbelievable. It's where they host uh, the Bosville Zomer Festival every year. And the um, Geschäftsleiter at the point, Michael Schneider, offered me two days to do whatever I wished there. So I decided to ask Robert to come next to me and record a solo album, which Robert produced together with the engineer, and a duo album with Robert, which also features a solo piece for, for um, Bassett Clarinet, which I wrote specially for Robert. Mm-hmm. So the, the duo album, Morning Into Evening, features a solo piece, which... Gosh, I'm going to have to listen. Yeah, it, he uses it as an encore, like when he plays one of the Weber clarinet concerti, <laughs> or the Mozart clarinet concerti. Oh, he uses that as a... Yeah, because no. it's specifically written for the Bassett Clarinet. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... For Bongi was written specially for this project, the piece which is next on my playlist. Mm-hmm. And it does involve um, improvisation from the piano and from the bass clarinet. And it opens with an intake of breath from Robert Pickup. Yes. Before the downbeat. And to me, it's beautiful because this lady Bongi was my younger daughter Zada's soccer coach at school one of her favorite soccer coaches and she died tragically and way too young Mm -hmm. and so this is a piece really for Zada who was then mourning the loss of Bongi Bongi. so even as it says it's for Bongi it's really about Zada's um, feeling after Telling me the news about... And it's called Morning Into Evening. The, that's the album title. Oh, that's the album title, okay. But the track title, it's the second one on the album. It's, it's called, called For Bongi. For Bongi, yeah. Okay, let's listen to that now with Paul and Robert Pickup. <laughs> Thank you. 
that piece is called For Bongi from an album called Morning Into Evening featuring the clarinetist Robert Pickup and Paul Hanmer. And I was just saying to Paul how I remembered them playing together, Roberts and Paul, in Melville clubs and things back in the early 90s. Paul Hanmer is my guest on People of Note this week, the pianist and composer, whom, as you heard, ventures still into classical music. I mentioned you've composed a string quartet for the Sontonga Quartet, a clarinet quintet for Robert Pickup, and also things for double bass and cello for Leon Bosch. But I want to aim for your next choice, which is uh, Mahler. And it, I was quite surprised when I saw that. And there was a bit of a coincidence because recently I've been listening to a new recording of Mahler 7, which for me is the most difficult of the Mahler symphonies, by the way, uh, to get your head around. And you've asked for part of one of the Nachtmusik movements. There are two of them. And I'm going to play just three or four minutes of Nachtmusik 1. But I want to know why you've put this on your list I've put it on my list because Gustav Mahler happened to pass away on the 18th of May, 1911. And I was born exactly 50 years later, on the 18th of May, 1961. And I realized, well, if anybody's going to make some kind of noise about this kind of coincidence, it's going <laughs> yes. to be me. <laughs> yes, quite right, too. And I just felt, wow, this is crazy. But I've always loved Mahler. And just reading about his life and the fact that he hardly made it to 51 years of age, mm-hmm. it's incredible, you know, that, that he packed this, such an incredible amount of work. Yeah. And, and Because people tend to forget that he was such a famous conductor as well exactly. and traveled a lot like to America to conduct almost yes. though, as though composing was secondary. And yet mm. he composed those nine fantastic symphonies. Well, he composed 10, actually. Well, he did, yes. Yeah, and then uh, Das Lied von der Erde. That's right. And various others, lots and lots of songs. That's true. And collections of songs for, you know, female voice with orchestra Mm -hmm. or piano. And it's a a huge body of work. It is, but also, and I wonder, I mean, when you're composing, Paul, Mm. whether it's for jazz or classical, when you're composing... How can I say this? Are you quite good at orchestrating? Are you <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, or is it something that you enjoy doing? I think is what yes, I meant. Yes, I do enjoy doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, it's very hard. Yes, it's not always guaranteed, but I love trying to put myself through torture, trying to <laughs> get it to be beautiful and musical for the players and for the. For the audience, no, no, not for the audience, but for the musicians. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I should remember. No, the that. audience. I mean, if the musicians are happy, yes, the audience will be happy. I think the the you know, if the musicians are asked not to jump through impossible hoops to achieve a silly result, mm-hmm. they'll be very happy. Yeah, they don't like being tricked. They don't like being insulted. And they also like when people write to the character of what their instrument delivers. Mm -hmm. So I try and do that because I think it's important to show respect for for, For the musicians and their achievements. For other human beings. I think it's important to try and respect. One of the reasons I asked that question was, don't you agree that Mahler's orchestration is so amazing? He wrote for a very large orchestra, but he was able to make it sound like chamber music at times. No, sure. I mean, but as even Berlioz has said, 
or Rimsky Korsakov. Both of these guys wrote very famous tomes about That's right, orchestration. About, that's right. And Ravel, who was a, an amazing orchestrator, yeah, and yeah. and was asked several times to write also a manual for orchestration. He he said no, but several of these people have made it known that you cannot pull the orchestration and the composition apart from each other. You know, you can't say, well, Bach wrote some wonderful things, but you know, the way he orchestrated was so great because. The one thing is not apart from the mm, other. I hear what you're saying, and and, and I, I agree with you. And I think it's a very important um, thing to be able to do. And not only that, to not say, well, I think I do it very well. But the point is, it should be part of what you do. Mm-hmm. It's like a tiler not knowing how to lay plaster, you know? It's, yeah, it's like <laughs> that's a good analogy, actually. What what goes between the wall and the tile? You know, it's plaster. So you better know it's some plaster. But this piece that we're going to play now mm. from Mahler's Symphony Number no. Seven, Nachtmusik One, mm. is a lovely example of Mahler's ability. Do you agree? And maybe that's why he chose to create the sounds of the night mm-hmm. and all that with his love. So can we hear about three minutes of the yes, opening please. of that? Yeah, good. good. Here we go with some Mahler.
Well, there we fade out of the second movement of Mahler's Symphony No. 7, known as Nachtmusik 1, on a new recording, actually, that I've been filling around with, with the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Kirill Patrenko, who's the new, exciting principal conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic. Wow, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so there you are. A bit of Mahler and that beautiful orchestration there depicting night and the forest. And another choice of my guest, Paul Hanmer. But, Paul, I want to go back now. Let's talk business because you've got this concert, as I said, on the 1st of March, Homecoming. And the music that's being played there, as we said, is all your own. And there we will also hear your skill as an orchestrator for a chamber group. And Kutwano Masoto is conducting, isn't he? He is. And Kutwano is the one who asked me to be the homecomer for yes. this concert, which originally would have featured Isaac Ru. So I'm now the homecomer, and I'm very happy to, to do that because Gutwana also has a chance to then ask me to perform some repertoire from 20 years ago, mm-hmm. which in fact brought me and Gutwana together because uh, the cellist Susan Mouton yes. brought Gutwana next to her to be in the cello section when we launched my album Naivasha in 2002, I think. Right. And so that's how long I've known Kutlano. So in a sense, it's a homecoming for, for both of us, I, yeah. I would like to say. And, and interestingly, Kutlano is fundamentally a classical music person. Yes. And yet he's also able to just dip into the jazz scene, isn't he? Well, Kutlano's got skills that um, I don't even know about which is great mm-hmm. because one shouldn't be able to sum up a person anyway yeah. in a few easy slogans and so the fact that he's chosen to to still preserve this homecoming project and and chose to do it with me mm-hmm. is is amazing and also like i say to feature the music for large ensemble which i wrote 20 years ago we'll also be playing I'll be performing a few smaller things together with um, Bryden Bolton and Damon Kamenet and Zeke Lagrange on tenor. You know, some smaller band things, trio things, quartet, um, three-horn band things from Playola, my album Playola. So... It gives a chance to also look back on, on 20 years as oh, well as, so as, as the homecomer. It's yeah. the perfect title, Homecomer. Yeah. Yes, and that's on the 1st of March, right here at Artscape. So come along and see Paul Hanmer and friends in Homecoming. But before I let you go, yes. you're clutching a CD there featuring the harpist, Jackie Kerritt, who's married to Mark Ace, who was the principal violin of the Santonga Quartet, and they both live in New York. And you seem quite excited about this. Yes. Well, this album was made during lockdown mm-hmm. at a time when, when, when Jackie Kerrod had built up an, a formidable reputation of as she should mm-hmm. because she's a fabulous harpist. And she was also working um, with Anthony Braxton, who is like one of the most extreme of the avant-garde jazz musicians and has been held in, in that esteem for for many years. Mm-hmm. And he plays the most extraordinary instruments like contrabass flutes and contrabass clarinets, yeah, yeah. contrabass saxophones, things that have been hardly invented before he gets hold of them. And Jackie 
had been part of his ensemble to the extent that sometimes he would have gone on tour with only one person, and that person would be Jackie Kerrod. So she's been a guest with various symphony orchestras and chamber groups playing as a classical harpist, but also as an improvising harpist mm-hmm. and also playing um, electric harp, which is a version of a smaller harp from Central America. And she made this album during lockdown, and it's very personal. And I really would love it if Fine Music Radio could play track number eight from Jacqueline's um, solo project called 17 Days in December. So this, we're talking about 17 Days in December of 2020. Oh, yes. Because this album was only released um, in July last year. Okay. And officially December last year. Yeah. And it's very personal and very, because it's just improvisations. And as I say, this one that I've requested is called Glassy Fingers. Okay. Mm. We'll go out with that, uh, Paul, Jackie Kerrod and Classic Fingers. But before we play it, thank mm. you for being here. I'm glad you're in Cape Town. I hope you're going to have some of this recorded, like your song cycle. And then there's the concert on the first at Artscape here. And so come along and see Paul and his remarkable facility as a composer and a performer. Paul Henma, thank you very much. Rodney Trajan, thank you so much. Ewan, thank you.
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turing Productions. FM.